Welcome to See We Do Have a Voice. I'm your host, Shelly Turner. Being diagnosed with breast cancer is where the discussion starts. Breast cancer doesn't care where you live. It doesn't care who you know, how healthy you are, how many initials you have behind your name, or what color your skin is. This podcast is a platform that will create discussion in order to help you find your story, your decisions, your information, and your understanding. Now let's get into it. Hi, this is Shelly, and welcome back to the show. And today we have a very special guest who is also a friend. And now you guys are saying, oh, you got so many friends, but I do. We're going to be talking to Frederick from Stand Up to Cancer. Tell us what you do and who you are to Stand Up to Cancer. Shelly, thank you so much. My name is Frederick Johnson, and I am not only one of the many friends of Shelly, I am the Advocacy and Strategic Collaborations Manager at Stand Up to Cancer. So what that means is I foster, create, sustain, and build relationships with patient advocates and advocacy organizations around the country to help further Stand Up to Cancer's mission, to share about our resources, our campaigns. And I've been there for a little over 14 years, and it was one of the highlights of that 14 years was I got to meet you. Yes, it was. It's a highlight of my life because, Frederick, you are such an asset to my life, an asset. You are so knowledgeable about what you do. And even in my personal life, I've called you to get advice for people that I, you know, women that are going through breast cancer with newly diagnosis for your direction. And you have been nothing but stellar in your advice in direction and instruction, guiding and leading. So I am really excited that you're here today to tell us a little bit more about what Stand Up to Cancer is doing now to continue the research, the support, the information. Yes. Everything you got, Frederick. Shelly, thank you so much. Well, well, one thing I wanted to mention is we do have a campaign that is launching the first week of December. It's an annual campaign. It's always the first week in December. It's called Cancer Screen Week. So I w- just to tell you guys a little bit about what that is, Cancer Screen Week is a national effort to increase awareness of cancer screening and the potentially life-saving benefits of cancer prevention and early detection. So again, Cancer Screen Week is this year, December 4th through 8th, and it's a perfect time for anyone who needs to schedule a screening to find out how they can get screened. And there's a website, which is cancerscreenweek.org. There people can see what the current recommended screening guidelines are. They can find out where can I get screened? You know, what if I don't have insurance? You know, various different resources. So I wanted to definitely, you know, touch on that. And As I know, you're a breast cancer survivor, of course, like mammograms, Mm -hmm. breast cancer screening is a big component of that, and people can find out more details about that on the website as well. And you make a very serious point when you talk about insurance. Yes. Because insurance is a lot of reasons that women don't go to the doctor. Right. They may have felt a lump. Yes. They may be going through it, and maybe those that want to keep it a secret. Yes. But insurance is a big deal of why a lot of women yeah. don't go and get screened, don't go get the mammograms. So the information that you're just giving us is very important because you're using yes. the word free. Yes. And that is, that's got to be important to a lot of women to know that it's not a secret. Right. You know, when you go 
or when you feel a lump or there's something that's just not in your normal, you know, examination of yourself, even if you do do it or if you don't do it, like for me, all three of the times Mm -hmm. I felt the lump. Yeah. And, you know, you know your body and you know that lump wasn't there before. That lump doesn't belong here. Yes. So let's go to the doctor. Yes. And you go to the doctor if you have insurance. Well, I don't have insurance. Yes. And that yes. stops a lot of women from going. And that's it's, where it's a lot a of major, lives are lost. It's a major factor yes, of it is. why people don't get screened. It, and mm-hmm. then also, even when you break that down in term, terms of demographics, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know that you also, too, want to educate around a lot as well to, like, disproportionately how things affect black women. Exactly. That need to get screened or have a breast cancer diagnosis. Exactly. So one of those factors definitely is lack of insurance along with just limited access to care and economic inequality, you know. So these are things that really are disproportionately impacting particular communities. On the website, cancerscreenweek.org, you can find out about different types of coverage. You can find mm-hmm. out about getting a free or low-cost breast screening. Correct. If you have coverage through the Affordable Care Act or what we mm-hmm. call Obamacare. Right. There's also information about how you can get a free screening that way. Mm-hmm. And if you need more information about Medicare coverage, they have mm-hmm. information on that as well. Because you're so right. A lot of times people will think, well, I don't have insurance. Exactly. Or I don't have a certain type of insurance. Or, you know, I live where I live. You know, how can... And, we know like a zip code even could say so much about somebody's care does. and somebody's it access usually to does. care. It yes. usually does. I wanted to do this podcast for information. Yeah. Because information is either life or death. Yes. Either you have the information yes. that will give you life or you don't go get the information and it'll cause you to, yes. you know, you will, you'll die. Yes. And I hate to always talk about, you know, death, breast cancer, but it's, it's what it is. Yeah. And information yeah. is key to the healing. Information yes. is key to your next move. Yes. You know, women, in my opinion, are created to do great things. Yes. Some do great things and some get cancer. Yeah. So for the ones of us who have gotten cancer that are thriving, it is up to us to continue to give the information to those who haven't yet learned to thrive. Yeah. But you, you yeah. know, you're born to thrive. Cancer, yes. and that's why, you know, the podcast is called C we do have a voice because yeah. cancer can no longer be the loudest voice in the room. Yeah. You know, I love so that. we have to take back the voice and we have yeah. to start speaking louder than cancer yes. and tell cancer, shut up. You know, yes. you shut up because you're not going to ruin my life. Yeah. You're not my life. I might have gotten a di- diagnosis that would love to take my life, yes. but it doesn't belong to you. So the information that you are giving from Stand Up to Cancer and the work that Stand Up to Cancer has done in the community prior, yes. it's key. You know, and it's it's so important that women know that these organizations exist for us. Yes. And you may not have heard, oh, well, they're doing a rectal cancer. Well, I don't have rectal cancer. I have breast cancer. Right. Don't not call. Don't, don't not, not call. Yeah. Don't not call. And it's so important. I'm so glad that you're using this platform and having this forum because I, I feel like this is how the conversation has shifted. I would say this generation and maybe the last generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we're having like survivorship conversations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we didn't used to have because yeah. when cancer was that you have six months to live. Yeah. Remember it yeah, was exactly. just like that. You're going to die. Attack. You're going to die. are living now and surviving. And so now it's really a survivorship <laughs> conversation. Of exactly. How do I go from survivor to thriver? Yeah. You and know? I mean, if you woke up this morning, then you're thriving. Yeah. 
And if you yeah. can wake up in the same bed that you lied down the night before, you're thriving. Yeah. So don't yeah. discount yourself or who you are or what's really inside of you. Yes. Where you're not even giving yourself a fair opportunity yes. because the information yes. is out there. Yes, you've been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. And like I always say, it's like you've gotten a, an invitation to a party that you don't have to RSVP for because you're yes. the guest. Yeah. You're the host. Yeah. The door is open and somebody's telling you right this way, let's get a mammogram. Yes. Let's get a biopsy. Yes. Well, your cancer is stage this. Well, let's talk about the BRCA. A lot of people still don't know what that is. Right. And that, that floors right. me because if you're in treatment and your doctor hasn't once said to you about the BRCA, yeah. well, the BRCA is to see if you have the cancer gene. Right. It's right. to see if you have that gene in your yeah. DNA. Yeah. And it's really for your family. If you're a mother and you have yes. daughters, then how can you not know? But yeah. I've talked to some survivors and some treating people. In they weren't aware that don't and, know. And sadly, and we hear this time and time again, people don't know things nearly because their primary care physician never mentioned it. And so <laughs> for, for, for a variety of different yeah. reasons, right? Yes. We and can insurance get into that. is one of them. Right. Insurance is one of them. Exactly. The is and not sometimes cheap. there's what they call, you know, um, implicit biases. You know, people think like, oh, you know, you don't we, you know, we know we have all those different types yes. of factors. Yes. But I think that's why it's so important, mm -hmm. like having a forum where you're sharing about resources, where mm -hmm. people can know, like call that exist. organization. They do exist. They exist. And there are even things like there are organizations, it could be breast cancer nonprofits mm -hmm. that already have um, questions you can take to your doctor if you yes. get a diagnosis. Yes, yes, Questions yes. you, you know, what you need to know about screening. Like they mm -hmm. have all these things already laid out because people don't know what to say when they go. Or, or they, they don't or remember. You, you don't you, remember. Yeah, you don't remember the they thing don't the remember. Or said. you remember after you're pulling out of the parking lot yeah. that you just paid $20 to be able to park there to go to your appointment. And you or can't right. go back and talk and to the And you can't go back and you're like, God, I forgot to ask this. And you can't call because it's a call center. And exactly. you're on hold for, I mean, it's just so much. And you're the patient. You know, exactly. And you're the person not feeling well. So you're going through all of that stuff when you're just trying to get help, right? And so, hopefully the information your doctor just gave you is helpful. It is helpful. But if you didn't hear right. it and you don't remember it yes. and he's telling you something yeah. that really pertains to what he told you five minutes ago, but yeah. five minutes ago you didn't hear him. Yeah. So what is he talking about? Because I didn't even hear what he said. Right. So it's yeah. really important, like we talk about on the show, take somebody with you. Take somebody Include with you. Include somebody In with you. Yes. And, yeah. you know, let it be a loved one, hopefully. And they're going to listen yeah. and they're going to hear because yep. you're going to be sitting there still like a deer yeah. in the headlights. Like, why am I here? Yes. Bring so, someone. I, I found if you can bring someone because they it, that that can be the type of person that will ask questions on mm -hmm. your behalf mm -hmm. or take notes on your behalf mm -hmm. because you might be emotional. You might be in shock. You're still in you devastation. Might, you're, you're devastated. Yeah, you're devastated. Exactly. Or they're throwing around so many terms and, mm -hmm. and vernacular and all kinds of stuff. And you need that other person. That and sometimes you just get tired. You know what I mean. You're it's just, like, why you're am just I coming again to the doctor? Yeah, right. So somebody else that can kind of intervene mm -hmm. and be in that space. You mentioned mammograms. Can I talk a little bit about the screening guidelines Absolutely. around mammograms? Absolutely, information so, is yes. key, Frederick. So just for anybody listening, so everyone can find this again at cancerscreenweek.org. But specifically with breast cancer, so when they go on the site. There's all kinds of guidelines for different cancers, for lung cancer, for mm -hmm. colorectal cancer, which is the cancer that impacted right. me. We could, we could talk about that screening, too, if you want to talk about that story. But there's different cancers, so people will learn about the different screening guidelines. So mm -hmm. 
in terms of breast cancer, say invasive female breast cancer incidence rates have been increasing by about 0.5% per year. This is according to the American Cancer Society mm-hmm. since the mid 2000s. So they're saying that regular screening is the most reliable way to find out when it's smaller and might be easier to treat, right? Sure. They're saying from the five-year survival rate is 99% when breast cancer is diagnosed at the local stage. Mm-hmm. So what they recommend is if you are 30 years or older, they recommend a once per year is recommended by your doctor MRI and mammogram right, if you're right. considered high risk. Right. If you're 40 to 44 years old, they consider that average risk, and that's a recommendation of a uh, once per year mammogram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're 45 to 54, and they consider that also average risk, that's also a recommended once per year mammogram. And then if you're 55 or older, they recommend a once every two year continual annual screening. And again, though, if you are at high risk, which means you have a personal history Mm -hmm. or a strong family history of breast cancer, Mm -hmm. a genetic mutation, like you mentioned, known to increase the risk, sometimes even like I know people that might have ovarian cancer in their Mm -hmm. family, you know, any of those things might increase the risk, right? And those that have had high-dose radiation therapy to the chest before age 30. So those are people that even if you're a younger age, mm-hmm. they're recommending right. work with your doctor to get a screening. So that's just like a highlight of some of the guidelines. But people can get more information about that. But even even just that kind of information, people know like, am I too young? Am I too old? When should I start? You know, what should I ask my doctor? Like these are the type of resources people need so they can go to the doctor at least feeling empowered. And, you know, and just, what you just said is key when you go to the doctor, because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't go to the doctor. And you're speaking about specifically younger women. They right. don't think it affects them. Right. So, right. you know, they don't go to the doctor that much anyway. And, yeah. you know, what you just said is something that should be handed on on a flyer. It should yeah. be on a billboard because yeah. a lot of women just don't think, oh, well, it's not me. I don't have breast cancer. It's not right. me. It doesn't affect them. And the craziest thing to think is that it doesn't affect you because I'll bet all the money, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. because that Mm -hmm. is what breast cancer is doing to the communities Mm -hmm. right now. There is breast cancer. Yeah. And women are knowing more and more. A friend of mine just called me yesterday and said, you know, I'm, I'm with so-and-so and and I'm getting my hair done and she knows you. I'm like, what, who is she? And she gave me her name. I was like, Oh yeah, I know her. And then it dawned on me. She had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you kind of forget, mm-hmm. but my first diagnosis was 98. Mm-hmm. The second one was mm-hmm. 2010, and the third one was 2020. But along that period, I've lost three sisters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have uh, my younger sister. She's also a survivor. So it's like I never knew until my doctor found out, you know, my family history mm-hmm. that there was such thing called a cancer gene. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. never heard of that. Yeah. And he's like, well, you need to take the test. Yeah. I was so irritated, and I'll be honest, I was very irritated mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when I went to take the test, she was so nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. So I take the test, and my I have a doctor's appointment. He says, well, did you get the results? I said, I'm not going back down there. Mm. He said, well, will you give me permission to get them? I said, yeah, she can give them to you. So we called her, got on the phone. I was like, yeah, he has the permission to get them. Mm-hmm. And then he says to me, he says, well, it's positive. 
okay, well, that didn't take a rocket science because I've lost three sisters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. My great-grandmother had a mastectomy. My great-grandmother died of cancer. My mother's mother, my grandmother, died of cancer. My grandmother died of cancer, so what's the mystery here? Yeah. But for women are saying, well, cancer doesn't run in my family. Yeah. I don't, I'm not getting it. And then you find out, oh, wow, you've got this new diagnosis of breast cancer, but yeah. where did it come from? Nobody in my family has it. Right. Or, or, and I think this is so important you brought this up, mm-hmm. it, it's the importance of why do we need to know our family history. And that's, that's again, you know, going to the doctor. And yes. that's where you started this and conversation I think saying. when you're younger, mm-hmm. you don't care about that when you're younger. Yes, exactly. Right? But when you don't you, need when to, you I don't need to go to the doctor. Yeah. When you get a little older and you're like, oh, yeah. Uncle so and so did pass away from that, or Aunt so and so. But that's did an old people up. disease, you know. Cancer, right? You know, it's young people, people don't disease. get cancer. But when you get older and you start maybe having certain health things come up, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're just kind of like, does high cholesterol run in our family? Does you know you yeah, suddenly high you blood want pressure, to know diabetes is like all these things. Right. High blood pressure is certainly in your family. That's so. what I'm saying. So so it's so important to know the family history and just mm-hmm. like. Personally, for me, like I didn't even know when when my father passed away from colorectal cancer. I think mm-hmm. I was, I think I was thirty eight, mm-hmm. something like that. And I never once thought I didn't know anything about family history. I didn't know anything. I mean, I just thought, right. okay, that's what he died of. I had no idea. I didn't know about anybody else's, you know, health stuff in my mm-hmm. family. Even though you know, when you go get an annual physical, mm-hmm. there's always, do you have a history of this? You know, they want to. What did one parent pass away from? One of the mm-hmm. other parents. Yeah. I didn't know how to answer any of those questions Who knows? until my father mm-hmm. passed away. That was the only one I could confidently answer mm-hmm. because that happened while I was alive. Mm-hmm. And so when I turned 40 and I went to that annual physical and had even that to put on the form, my doctor said, oh, <laughs> yeah. you have a family history. There it is. Like you have to get a screening. You have to have a colonoscopy. And I and I still in my mind thought, well, that's what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Like that's what does that have me. to do with me? But then you make the point that right. mothers, your mother had it, your grandmother had it, or they didn't have it. Yeah. But women as a whole when do we really want to go to the doctor? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we have an OBGYN. We get a pap smear every yeah. now and then. And I'm 66. I'm not going to get a pap smear unless she called me because I don't like it. I mean, mm-hmm. still today, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. not something I'd like to do. Yeah. But then you have the younger generation. Yeah. And women are getting cancer younger, younger and younger. Yeah. Because even on social media, sometimes I see these young girls. Yeah that are in chemo, that are, you know, yeah. the just got diagnosed with, you know, stage three breast cancer. And it's yeah. like, how did you get to stage three? Yeah. Yeah. Not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so important that we as women, especially yeah. African-American women, that we pay attention to any change in our body. Yeah. We, we do all the makeup, we do all the hair, we right. do this, we do that. But what about inside? There needs to be amongst, I, I want to say younger people, and I'll just say maybe everybody under 40 or 35, yeah. let's say. Like there really needs to be a shift in consciousness around that, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. about wellness in that way. Because these same young people, they're at the gym. Yeah, oh, They're yeah. doing all sorts of things regularly and consistently. For the right? outside look. And this might just be, all you got to do is just go once a year. Yeah. Or twice a year, you know, just get it, get that checkup, do those things to be preventative, mm-hmm. right? But I think uh, it's it's kind of 
changing in the mindset again that it's mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, that only happens to people that yeah, are older. Yeah, that's old. That's an that's old good, people right. thing. But even right. with three mammograms, never showed my cancer. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, yeah, all three mammograms never showed the cancer. Yeah. And that's what the devastating thing was to my, you know, my oncologist, because he was like, we just, it was like a July in 2010. It's like, we just did a mammogram, you know? Yeah. So where did this come from? It's like, yeah, I guess we're pulling rabbits out the hat because yeah. here it is. So, but yeah. it, it's, it's not just about the mammogram. It's about if there are any changes in your body, in your breast, yeah. be conscious, be conscious. You know, I mean, I've, really, I, you know, absolutely. Help. Yeah. I talk you know, to somebody, say something to yes. somebody. I, I learned, you know, through my own experience, you know, when I had my first real kind of major health mm -hmm. challenge with, you know, we've talked about that right. before. Right. That was the thing that really taught me I can't minimize anything. No, and that's what I, I can't that's minimize what anything. The discussion so has any, to be. anything, um, don't feel weird. Don't feel yeah. bad. Don't think you're being dramatic. Don't think, right. you know, if you just find out you're fine and it's all good, that's mm -hmm. good and to it's know. Good. It's good. It's good. But yeah, it's kind of having to train. I had to kind of relearn. I had to kind of teach mm -hmm. myself that this is important. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like to really kind of, if there's anything strange, if there's a weird pain, if there's mm -hmm. a weird lump, if there's a strange anything. It doesn't like, belong there. It doesn't belong there. Like you're saying, it's like be conscious Mm -hmm. Pay attention to your body. Pay attention to your health. Don't be afraid. And the other part of it I want to say, too, is, and I don't want to get down a rabbit hole about the um, healthcare system. Right, Because that, right, that's, right. that's like a whole other podcast series, yeah, right? Really. But what I want to say is I think there is something, and I can only just speak for the country we live in and how mm -hmm. healthcare is here. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is supposed to be patient-centered, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be patient-centered, patient-focused. But mm -hmm. I found even we live in L.A., we've got good health care. We've got great hospital systems mm -hmm. around us, right? I still find there's a sense of feeling like I'm helping them run their business or something. Like and if you I'm come, almost incidental yeah. to the whole thing that's, that's right. going on. That's like right. I'm in, like I'm basically, they just got to get their administrative stuff and done. And then there's me that's coming for an appointment. Women are scared of that. That's what I was going to say. They're and I, I think that. there's another thing that makes people either not want to go to the doctor or also when of you just go what's going there what's going to happen right when you go there's a feeling of like almost like oh i've got to accommodate them mm -hmm. and so i think mm -hmm. the other thing that we have to like teach ourselves and kind of remind ourselves maybe is that like we're the most important person in the room Always. when we're there Always. we're the most important person and if in the room I'm not, I'm in so the wrong place. right and i know myself like when i felt like i wasn't getting the customer service from the doctor's right. office i should be like <laughs> I, customer service. i'm going to call the customer service but you know what i'm saying like when i wasn't getting the kind of right doctor patient communications right. and it could be from the nurse that's calling mm -hmm. on the doctor's behalf it could be from somebody calling about something and they're acting like you know, they squeezed you in. Yeah, into they're the doing business. you a favor. Right, they're doing right. You a favor. And it's kind of like I've had to really just kind mm -hmm. of come from a place of, you know, this is really actually about my life. Mm -hmm. Like this is about my life and this is about my health. So in that sense, I just think like that personal 
advocacy has mm-hmm. to really, really be upfront because because yeah. I think that's another reason why. Because sometimes it can be really self-defeating because you're just like, you know what? I just don't want to go through all that. Yep. I don't want to have to be on hold for, you know, God knows how long. I don't want to have to go down there. And then, and, and, and the other thing too is I would say, if you have to change doctors, you know, um, if you have to go someplace else, because I was just getting ready to say, yeah, because you, you know, have to you get a referral. If and you then, have to get a referral, you're done. Because you're done. if you're even with a doctor that you feel like this is what this is what I have to what they chose for me, mm-hmm. what I'm relegated to. Well, they know best because they're a doctor, so and so, and you're sitting there and you don't feel a hundred percent comfortable. You're not going to ask the questions you no, need to ask. No, because you're intimidated you're not, out of the you're whole point. You're not going to share over. everything you need to share. Right. And I've even had to change doctors because mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was being bum-rushed. <laughs> or I felt like I had to hurry up. You know, I felt like they whizzed in and whizzed out. Right. I felt like almost like I had to tiptoe around, can I ask a question kind of thing, you know? So it, it's just this mindset of like you got to center yourself in your care. Yeah, but being yeah. diagnosed with breast cancer for women just you just said it they get intimidated in the in the whole the, the, the initial visit. Yes. And yes. you know the doctors asking you all these questions and you're yeah. like why are you asking me all those questions cuz I've been there. Uh yeah. my first diagnosis I got rid of two oncologists. Yeah. Cuz w- the first one after the chemo was done she says, "Well, I'm just going to order another 8 rounds more." I looked at her. I said, "Why would you do that to me?" Yeah. And I was through with her because it's like, yeah. you're in the business for data. Yeah. I'm not data material. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is my life. Yeah. I have children. I have a life. Yeah. And I just want to be, you know, with somebody that's going to care for me. Yes. And that's why I said my yeah. oncologist now is a rock star. You know, yeah. he's wonderful. Yeah. And doing this podcast, I've heard from other women that have irreplaceable uh, relationships yeah. with their oncologist. Yes. And it's so important because just like you said, yeah. as a woman to go into a doctor's office and after you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, and this is your first visit, it just can't be laxadaisia. It yeah. cannot be just a routine. Like you pick a number yeah. and walk in next, you know, it, I can't it, it be can't next. Be. It, it cannot be. Because, you know, it, it's, it's going to be to the patient's, detriment because disadvantage because they're, they're not going to come back they're, they're not going just like right. you said no questions exactly. will be asked no questions can be asked and then you know that could lead to people not taking their care seriously and not, coming back. not coming back if they get a treatment plan are they going to be are they going to adhere to it mm-hmm. do they feel self-defeated do they feel you know so i i, I just think who you choose to to get your care from it's almost like you is, have to do an interview Th- that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying about that's what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. flipping around mm-hmm. the mentality around that. Yeah. It, it's it's almost like if we talk about a job interview, like a mm-hmm. friend of mine, he's looking for a new job. He had the same job for like 18 years and recently got laid off. <laughs> and so he's in this mindset of, I got to get a job. I got to get a job. I got to get, you know, he has, a, they gave him a little severance package, yeah. but he's in this mindset. And I told him, I said, don't forget you're also interviewing them. Exactly. Like this isn't about you just being at their feet to mm-hmm. to to make them what the money they're trying to make. I said this is also too about your life. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that they're valuable to you as well. And I think as patients, 
we have to have that consciousness shift because I know many a time in the past, mm-hmm. I would go to the doctor and just kind of feel like mute. You know, I would feel intimidated. Shut and you I up. Would, right, exactly. You know, and, and maybe I didn't have to, I didn't have to feel that way. Maybe in those moments, mm-hmm. I just kind of didn't realize, I didn't have the thinking that, wait a minute, these people, all of these people from the person at the front desk, mm-hmm to the nurse practitioner, to the person that's putting you on the scale, mm-hmm. to the person, to the doctor, all of those people are there for you. Yeah, but that's also, you know. you know, they're there for you. But like I said, the focus is somewhat on women, African-American women. Yeah. And what they yeah. go through. And, yeah. you know, the racial oncologists. Yeah. You know, oncology having, deciding you're not the right color. Or you're not from the right background. The biases. Yes. I, I've heard from a black breast cancer survivor, one of the many I've spoken to, and she talked about how she went to somebody in Atlanta that was so, a doctor that was referred to her, mm-hmm. and he he basically was just like, you're fine. You're, you're okay. You're good. You know, and she knew something was going on. She was just like, but something's going on. Something's not right. I'm not feeling, you know, something, I'm mm-hmm. feeling something. And he just was not, like, she had to go someplace else and then really get diagnosed. And like what, this, what, what, what do you think that reason is? You know, they're, well, they're still doing that to us. Yeah. And so this, this I think there's definitely these implicit biases mm-hmm. that happen. And it's a lot of times, too, they're even around, like, pain. Yeah. They're even around like they think like for some reason like oh like oh we can withstand pain better than other people or something or or they don't take our pain as seriously. Yeah, cuz we're, we're, we're complaining. We're complaining and you know, we're just in here for, you know, we have an ulterior motive for coming in here. But, you know, breast cancer for young black women, older black women. Yeah. It's it's still real. Yeah. And you know, like I said, sometimes even on my oncology visits I feel a little guilty sometimes because I walk, I still have to walk by the double doors, you know, the yeah. chemo room, and it's packed. Yeah. In the waiting room, women are still sitting there with the yeah. scarves on, and, you know, women that are in treatment have that look. Yeah. It's yeah. an undeniable look. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm in there all, you know. Yeah. Bubbly, glad to see my doctor, and it's just, it's a very sad that we celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month, October. Yeah. But I still don't know what that's about because women are being diagnosed every single day. Yeah. So other than that, all year round, those other 11 months, women are not talking about breast cancer unless it's right. them. There are organizations that are not talking about, you know, what do we, you know, what's offering, what yeah. organization can you go to still, you know, promoting the mammograms. Yeah. You know, one year you're fine and the next year you have cancer. So yeah. your whole life has changed. You are never yeah. going to be that same person. So, you know, now... Where do you go to get the help? Because in these 11 months, nobody's talking about breast cancer awareness because that's October. Yeah. And that's so weird to me because it's like, what do you advise women? Are there places to go those 11 months, you know, that that they can still get that October help, that October information? Yeah. And I and and also to know that breast cancer organizations they're doing work year round. Mm-hmm. It's just on the calendar. Mm-hmm. That's a very busy calendar where, you know, March is all about colorectal cancer right. and, you know, September is all about childhood cancer awareness mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. and October is breast cancer, you know, so in a very busy calendar mm-hmm. of sometimes multiple cancers share the same right. month, you right. know? So there, 
wonderful dedicated breast cancer organizations like Sisters Network, uh, for instance, founded by uh, Catherine, Catherine Jackson. Jackson. And yes. she was a guest on our show. She's amazing. Yes. She's yes. amazing because she yes. she has hit the ground running. So there, and she, I think, in my estimation, I, I think Sisters Network really was the first mm -hmm national mm -hmm. breast cancer advocacy organization with a focus on black women. Yes, And she's yes, kind of yes. the original. Oh, yes. And we, you have, we had her on the show and, yes. and her, she is, like I told her, I can't, she's a firecracker. Yes. So there, and so, she's very, very serious about this yes, movement. Yes, so she what, is. what I suggest is that when people get a diagnosis to just know that, that as far as for advocacy, mm -hmm. yes. there are organizations that exist mm -hmm. that have materials that exist already that mm -hmm. they can contact. A lot of these organizations, I'll even say too, cancer care is a great one. Mm -hmm. Cancer care is, is not cancer specific, mm -hmm. but cancer care is free. It's free services to a patient. They will even assign you a case manager, like mm -hmm. a counselor, that will help you get resources. That will That's help good you information. find. Right. That's good. They information. will help you find. Like, where's the support group in yes. my community? Yes. And all of these organizations, by and large, already have materials mm -hmm. that somebody newly diagnosed mm -hmm. can. I even breastcancer.org. You can go on there. That organization, mm -hmm. you can. They, you have things you can download. That it's like, what do I do after a diagnosis? Now that I'm big diagnosed, now what? What are my next steps? So I would say there's that. Also, too, wherever they're getting diagnosed, like let's say if it's at a major cancer center, mm -hmm. most times the major cancer center, they will have someone on the staff there. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. might be an oncology social worker. Mm -hmm. It might mm -hmm. be someone that can really help them get to, to resources, right. to help them to navigate. It might right. be a patient navigator right. Right. that right. can help them navigate. Oftentimes, the hospital or cancer center, they have support groups there themselves. Mm -hmm. What what I found is that even when you're in the same institution, mm -hmm. The right hand oftentimes isn't talking to the left hand. Of course. So you could yeah. be going yeah. to the same institution and nobody bothered to say, oh, yeah, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have a support group on the fifth floor at yeah, 7 p.m. Exactly, exactly. Because like, somebody else in a whole other department deals with that. And you know, today people are very laser focused on oh, yeah. what are we doing in our department? And that's yeah, all they And that's they all they know. care about, right? Right. So my, my advice would be that. And organizations too, and, and I would say it's important to not that there's organizations too for the financial aspect. This uh, is another yes, huge, yes, huge, yes. huge yeah. piece of it. And there are organizations like Family Reach is an amazing organization that okay. provides financial help to cancer patients and their families. Okay, that's interesting. So that's that's interesting. that's, that's yeah. what they do. That's what they do. But see, that they, it's like all this stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. It would be an amazing, amazing thing if all that information, yeah. we could have it in every right. oncologist's office. You know, right. if you could go outside yeah. and, the, you know, the little the pamphlet holders on the wall yes. and you could just fill up your yes. bag. And a lot of places yes. that you go, like, you know, they have what they call a breast cancer coordinator. Yeah. And once you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, she's waiting out there and, oh, you poor yeah. thing, da, 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 da. And she hands you a bag. And in the yeah. bag are all these pamphlets and you know yes. little items you know yes. a little bar of soap yes. and a little pen it's like give me a break i don't want right. to see all that but then all the all that stuff is in you know the pamphlets where you can get a turban where yes. you can get a wig where you can get the prosthetic breast you yes. know bra 
but w- the things that you're talking about are the meat of it. You know, you're yeah. not talking about just a pamphlet. You're talking about this is the information on your mark, get set, and go. Yes. And it's up to you to go. Yes. Because every decision you made, it's like you make the choice for the experience yes. you want to have. So, like, yes. all the things we're talking about today, it's like, how in the heck could you just get all this stuff in a doctor's office and say, here's the bag. Right. And go. unfortunately, and, and it's set. look, I long for the day yeah. where someone is going to get that diagnosis and then they're going to get comprehensive resources. They're going to hit that the ground are running. Address like support services, financial right. services, right. all all types of all types of services the newly right. diagnosed right. person needs. Clinical trial um, information. Clinical trial information. Yes. So I long for that day. Some institutions have that in place. Some yeah. some are better than others about mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. Some immediately you know, you might, like I said, you might get assigned to an oncology social worker who's going to mm-hmm. pull all that together for you right. or a patient navigator. Some places aren't there yet, mm-hmm. but the organizations, you know, are there. Mm-hmm. There's one more I want to mention uh, that reminded me when you talked about the wig. It's called mm-hmm. Look Good, Feel Better. Look Good, Feel Better, which I think is lookgoodfeelbetter.org. Look good, <laughs> look good, feel better uh-huh. is about beauty tips and makeup and different things um, for the cancer right. patient. Right. That That's what they specialize in. So they kind of marry that with the support services as right. well. So there's, there's many different places. And I will, just to give our plug, you can always go to standuptocancer.org, hey, of course. click on patient resources, right, right. and then you have a list, of, and it links out. So see, while that's what I mean. Even in the office, what I yeah. think stand up to cancer information, yeah. they should be in every office. Yeah. I mean, so, to start right. there. Yeah, to exactly. always so, start there. Right. So because, you know, we we don't prov- we don't directly provide those types of services because we're you link research funders, but we link the information. Yeah. So people can come on. We have it in different sections on our website. Mm-hmm. So it'll say, and we try to do it in a continuum. Mm-hmm. So we have a section called diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then you click on that and that links out to different things about what to know if you get a diagnosis. Right. And then the next section is like treatment. Right. And then there's a section on finances. Mm-hmm. There's a section on support services, which links out to organizations like Cancer Care mm-hmm. um, and Cancer Support Community. Right. And then we have one, a section called survivorship. Mm-hmm. And so there are many things, too, as you know, like after the person has, you know, lived with their cancer, they're mm-hmm. thriving mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. aftermath, you know, of their treatment. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like then? Exactly. You know, in survivorship. Exactly. Aftercare. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, it's like so, you're, you're not going to live in darkness anymore because you've had cancer. Right. Exactly. You can't live in darkness after you've right. gone through cancer and the treatment and now yes. you're thriving. Your life changes. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yes. Once you hear that, see, you've got cancer. Yeah. It's like, okay, nothing is the same because yeah. you're laser focused yeah. and you should be yeah. on the information to determine Yes. The journey you're going to be on. Are you going to be yes. on that journey in the dark? Or are you going to be on that journey in the light? Yeah. I would suggest the light. We know that cancer crosses the color lines. There's no exception. Yeah. But the treatment isn't the same for everybody. Yeah. So just talk about that. And what what is your opinion on why you think that really is? Wow. Okay. So I'm not a public health person, but mm-hmm. I'll just tell you just from my experience working in the space. Mm-hmm. So we have 
factors that are referred to. This is the public health speak of it, uh, mm -hmm. what they call social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. So this is where they say where you live, where you play, where yeah. you eat, where you live. So there are so many different social determinants of health. In fact, COVID, if you guys remember, really brought that to light. Oh, yeah. When they saw, wow. Geographically. Geographically. And they right. saw, wow, black communities in these areas weren't getting the same kind of right. treatment or access, right. et cetera. Right. Right. So a lot of that is, it is everything from the economic inequality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's everything from the the access to care. And I mean, like, literally, if you could be living on the other side of town from where the major hospital or the cancer center is or where the clinical trial is taking place. And it could seem like a world away. And it will be. It can seem like a world away just because what if it's a transportation cost barrier? You know, if there's an economic inequality barrier, there's environmental factors. Sometimes people and in, in, in particularly poorer communities are, are living environments where they don't necessarily have readily available healthy foods. And there or, you go. It's right. Good. Or, or, or they're living by right. um, someplace environmentally that's maybe not great for yeah. the for their physical selves. And all you know? that is very unfortunate. All that's very, very unfortunate. unfortunate. So all of these different social determinants Because cancer health, comes to everybody's door. Cancer comes know? to everybody's door. It doesn't care where you live, it what your zip code you is. It, exactly. It and, doesn't care. And no. so the, the thing about it is when you have these health inequities, that can just disproportionately affects certain people. You know what I mean? Certain communities, kind of depending upon where you are. I think that's why it's important for people to just also to make themselves known, have their voice, that's go to the doctor, and also, you know, participate too in research because to be counted, mm -hmm. you know, to be counted as well. Because that's another thing that happens is that Maybe they're doing some breast cancer research study and they need to have black women as a part of that cancer research study, let's say, but that's happening somewhere else. Exactly. And they're, as exactly. they design that study, and they, and they didn't think, well, maybe we don't have the the population of, of who we would like to participate where we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Or how do we engage those people to participate? How do we recruit them? How do we find them? How do we incentivize them to recruit participate? Recruit is the magic word. Right. Or, or incentivize even because yeah. a lot of times they want people want people to do stuff, but they don't really give them an incentive to do it. No, like, they, why should I come across town to do yeah, that? You but know? then they say they reach out and they don't really reach out. But, you know, yeah. the bottom line here is I'm very appreciative of you taking the time out. Come here with that vast barrel of information that you come with and that you you always have. Can I make one last comment about the equity? You got five seconds. I got five <laughs> seconds. Only because I would be in big trouble if I didn't mention this. Okay. Because it's a big thing. So standard for cancer, we we actually changed all of uh, the, what we call the procurement language in our research mm -hmm. because of this very issue. Okay. So any research grants that we give out. Mm -hmm. This happened several years ago, but it became a part of the application. So you're not going to get any funding unless you already have a plan to engage communities, you know, various communities to participate in that project, or you're not even going to get the funding. And what it does is that it's forced them to include people 
in the research project that traditionally wouldn't be there. So now you have a cancer research project that includes a community advocate, includes somebody maybe from Faithful Central, mm -hmm. includes somebody that's a part of the research project. Okay. So it's not just the doctor. It's not just the PhD. It's not just the MD. It's not just the research lab assistant. Mm -hmm. It's somebody there that's a part, that their voice is at the table, and they have a plan that they can prove how they're going to do it. Okay. Uh, to engage people, to participate, so they're not leaving people's voices and participation out of it. That is the best information. That's our yeah. Bitcoin for the day. That's our Bitcoin <laughs> yeah, for the day. Yeah, that's our Bitcoin for the day. <laughs> so thank you so much. Oh, Shelley. my God, thank Frederick, you. you're such an asset to this thank whole you. conversation. And thank you. you taking the time out and stand up to cancer, showing up. Thank you so much. Is and the best. I appreciate it. I'll just remind everyone again, go get screened. Visit cancerscreenweek.org to learn more about how you can get screened, mm -hmm. where you can get screened. Mm -hmm. Look at the guidelines. There's information. There's resources. So, Shelly, again, thank you. Pay attention. Yes. Thank you. Be thank mindful. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Love you much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure to follow and rate this show wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with executive producer Matthew Jones, producers Stephen Selnick, and editors and mixers Rob Johnson and Stefano Montelli. See you on the next one.